Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. God, you are doing far more than we could ever imagine. I just keep thinking uh, in Ephesians. I'm not going to preach on this, but I want to read it to us because I just need to read scripture that that is just that's bringing truth to us. Yeah, Whew. That, that I pray that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory, Ephesians three, uh, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. We're going to be talking about our, our soul, our inner man today, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the fullness of God. And now uh, uh, chapter 3 verse 20. This is one of my favorites in the Bible. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think... According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Father, I pray that you'd be the far more abundantly beyond for every person watching this, God. That there would be no question how much your love will impact our lives. And so, God, we just declare that you are good, that your goodness is, is overtaking us, that we will be hunted down by your goodness, God. And it will overtake our dreams. It will overtake our thoughts, our imaginations. Our anxieties have, don't stand a chance. Our fears don't stand a chance against the goodness of God. Man, we need to start using our imaginations to imagine just what would happen if God was as better than we thought he was. Versus our imaginations of what might happen if. Um, and so, God, we love you. We just pray for, uh, uh, pray for today. Pray for this morning, God. Pray you'd speak to, uh, to our community, our church, um, that, that, that you, would, uh, you would just plant seeds of, of faith, seeds of grace into our hearts, God, that we would be, uh, we would be the saints um, to the world, God. Ha, amen. Amen. Um, where are we at? What time is it? Does this say? I don't have it. Here we go. All right, amen. Jesus. Oh, man. Yeah. Can we just take a second right now? I, I, I just feel like the, I want to pray for salvations right now. I don't know. I just get these thoughts in my head that God wants to do certain things, and I just feel like a word of knowledge that there's people out there that need to be healed. I, I, I specifically believe that there's, there's, there's going to be a family member there that's going to turn this on. Maybe it's my family member. I don't know. But <laughs> I pray that there's family members right now they are going to be watching this, either live or recorded. And right now, if you don't know Jesus um, in your life and you want to, there's been this inkling in your heart of like, I, I, there's, something about, there's something about God that I, I need to know. I need to know who he is. If that's you, I want to just pray for you right now and pray for anybody else um, that uh, isn't watching also, that God would meet you right now, that God is the pursuer of those. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's in the Bible. So if you want more of God in your life, if you, if you, if you want a relationship with Jesus, if you're not even sure what that means, but you know there's something to that, I want to pray for you right now that God would show himself to you today, today, like just sometime today, maybe or instantly right now through the message, maybe it's going to be in a dream, but he would show himself to you. I got saved because I looked up at the mountains and I thought There's, this, is, this cannot be a coincidence, all this beauty and this just majesty of mountains and snow cap this and the trees and the, and the sunsets and all that stuff can't be a, it can't be a big bang, a piece of protein that made all this. Like there had to be a creator. And so I set my heart to know him. And I, I told God, I said, God, I'll give you two years of my life, two years of my life. Let me see what you can do with it. And, um, and I've never looked back since. I, I like to tell people he gave me a money back guarantee. Um, it's just kind of wild to me that the creator of the universe would say that to me. Jesse, I'll give, give me two years of your life and I promise you won't be sorry. So I encourage you, just, just pray for the people. God wants to save people more than ever right now. All right, um, I'm going to go to a few different scriptures, but 
so I'm just going to jump in and we'll hit the scriptures as we go. Um, I want to talk about living in rest that brings breakthrough. Living in rest that brings breakthrough. Um, the Bible says, it says that the Father says, come to me and I'll give you rest. So just say this right now. It says, say, come to me and I'll give you rest. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to keep saying that as we go. Come to me and I'll give you rest. If you're willing to come to him, he'll give you rest. If you're not willing to come to him, well, then that promise doesn't actually get fulfilled. But there's a coming to him that brings rest. And it's in the rest that we get all of our breakthrough. Because it's not until you come into a place of rest that we actually can step into the authority that we have. You look at Jesus in the boat. We're not going to go there. But Jesus was in this boat with his disciples going across the Sea of Galilee. And they was being tossed and turned. I think it's pretty safe to say we're being tossed and turned right now. I think every business out there is being tossed and turned, whether open or closed. Every church, every, um, any organization out there is in a place of being tossed and turned. And I think we're all searching for a voice. We're all searching for what can I do right now? And, and I think the, the point that I'm gonna, we're, we're going to hit on today is that when we can get to a place of being at rest in our souls, in our inner man that we talked about, um, it says he's strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. We have an inner man, a soul, that God has saved. He's saved our soul. Um, why are you so downcast, my soul? David knew we had a soul. There's an inside of you that God, that, that God is impacting. And it's your soul that is called to command the rest of your body. Your flesh should be in charge. Your soul is in charge of your flesh, in charge of your mind. Everything else that, that around you should be in submission to your soul. And your soul is in submission to the Father. And so that's why David thought it was such a big deal that he would speak to my soul, right? Um, you know, even see, he, he told his soul, I insist you praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise him, O my soul. I, 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 I'm telling my soul what to do. Why? Because the soul is the leader of me. And so uh, we're going to talk today that God wants to give you rest. And I love, I love, Bill Johnson said this, and I'll never forget it. It says, you can have authority only in the storms you can sleep through. Jesus woke up as the disciples were saying, don't you care about us, we're dying. And Jesus turned to them and said, why do you have so little faith? And he was the one sleeping, and he wakes up, and he commands the wind to calm, and it does. And so I, I love that if the disciples could have rest in the, in, the, in, the, in the storm, they could have done the same thing. And I believe that's what he calls us to do when we come up against sickness. He calls us to have rest in that place and be, and be still. Know that he is God. He is the healer. He is the calmer of storms. And begin to pray and exercise your authority. Um, Jesus, and so as we talk about rest and all this, I want you to know that Jesus is the model. Jesus is always the model. Um, I love, I was chatting with uh, Phil Ellis. He leads our, our, men's, uh, our men's group right now uh, called Man Alive. I like to say it's a men's righteousness group as well as it is uh, uh, um, just a men's group. And so we are, he is creating with his amazing crew of people, he's creating a group of men that are living fully alive in Jesus. But you know, Jesus is the model of manhood. And, I, and I, I'm sure he's the model for womanhood too. Um, that's just not my, my, uh, my expertise. Um, but Jesus is the model. And so if you want to know what rest looks like, you have to go to the model, Jesus. Um, and I love this quote by John Mark Comer. It says, if you want to experience the life to the full of Jesus, his nonstop conscious enjoyment of God's presence and world, all you have to do is adopt not only his theology and ethics, but also his lifestyle. And what he means is, if you want, if you want the life that Jesus lived, a life of peace, of power, of authority, of rest, you have to walk the way Jesus walked. So if we want to look at, if we want to call ourselves followers of Jesus, and we want, we want, we think Jesus is the model for, he, for our healing ministry. Everyone that Jesus prayed for was healed. 
without exception. We can say that as a truth, that everyone Jesus prayed for was healed. He is the model. I'm not the model. There is people today that when I pray for them, they don't get healed. Now, there's plenty of people that get healed when I do pray for them, but I, I can't create a theology or a model based on my experience of some people get healed and some people don't. And so we look at the model as being Jesus. And so uh, when we look at the uh, model for um, uh, joy and depression, we have to look at Jesus as the model. He was not a man that was ever depressed. And yet he was acquainted with all of our sorrows. Okay? So Jesus is the model. And I'm not trying to belittle people that are in depression or anxiety or that don't see the fruit that Jesus had. We're not called, but at the same time, I don't want to lower our expectation of what we're going after. Amen? That'll, come on, right there. Let's just stop right there. (laughs) Jesus, teach us about who you are. (laughs) And so if we want to actually walk as Jesus walked, with his authority, with his peace, which is sinless life in perfect relationship with the Father, we have to actually do the things that Jesus did. It would be silly to ignore the, the life that Jesus lived. And this is why I think it's interesting when theologies don't have room for healing the sick today, right? You you look at, um, uh, I'm just blanking on the word, cessationists. They actually believe that that today God is not healing people. That to me is bonkers because you're literally cutting out a massive part, not of just Jesus' ministry, but literally of his life was devoted to praying for the sick. And so we can't expect to actually walk in the fruit that Jesus walked in if we're not willing to walk the way he walked, okay? That, that's, that, was, that, that was not the point I was making, but that, will, that, that preach is just fine on its own. Jesus walked a, a life of authority, um, not in spite of his rest, but because of his rest. Jesus was able to walk in the place of confidence in his ministry, not because he was God, but he walked as a man, just like or a woman, just like you and me. He walked as us on the earth, as he is, so are we to be. And so he walked in, in as a man in the flesh, in a, in a perfect relationship with the Father. And so we, gotta, we have to understand that Jesus didn't walk like God on the earth. Otherwise, it would be silly for us to try to be like him, right? But we can be as him because he walked as a, as a man, okay? And so there's a, reason, uh, there's a reason that Jesus walked in and the authority that he walked in. And it was because, and I, and I believe this, the primary reason is that he walked in an understanding of his identity as a son, God's son. Because he, he, he consistently talked about I have to be about my father's business. I only do what the father says. So he recognized himself as a son of God, just like you are a son and a daughter of God. And so we have to learn to walk as he's walking. I believe one of the major keys that he, that he walked in is rest. And, and so how did, let, I want to look at this idea of rest and how does he walk in rest? Because today, more than ever, we are actually being pushed, if not forced, out of places of rest um, by, uh, man, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, you, can't, you can't open, uh, turn on your TV. Um, you can't turn on, uh, on, you can't watch videos on YouTube. You can't even walk down the street sometimes and get together with family without talking about COVID-19 and all this other stuff. And gosh, I don't even like to say the name, give it extra power right now. Uh, but it's real. It's, it's in our world right now. And so we have to learn um, how to walk in rest. Because you know what? When this is all over, there's going to be something else that's going to try and steal your rest. And it's going to try to steal your authority. And, and if there's anything I've, I recognize in our, our walk as Christians is that we are called to walk in authority over the things of the world. We are not of the world. And so we're going to talk about that today. So we're going to talk about walking in rest. And there's a reason we don't, uh, we're not called to, um, we're, we're called to walk with God, right? How's your Christian walk, right? Not, it's not your Christian sprint or run. It's a walk because we're walking with Him. We're not in a hurry. We're called to slow down, be still, and know that I'm God. 
See, now rest is, and, and if, you're, if you're wondering, like, if you're an action-oriented person, I'm married to my amazing wife, and she is a doer and a driver. She's an achiever, all right? You guys know people that are achievers, um, and they are, they are not restful people um, in, in, um, by, by, by all standards of observance. They are movers, right? They're moving from one place to another. My wife, she is a, uh, if you know her, she gets more done in five minutes than I do in five hours, um, and I, I'm, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm incredibly lazy. There are definitely times when I resemble that word. Um, but <laughs> I, like, I like to think that I'm a person of momentum, okay? That things in motion stay in motion, and things that are not in motion stay not in motion. So we, her, uh, my wife and I have a joke that when I come home from work or whatever, if I end up on the couch, that's like, that's death. Like, I'm not moving again. So I need to, like, I come home and I don't sit down because otherwise you lost me. And so uh, things in motion stay in motion for me. If I stay in motion, I keep moving. But there's a real point that um, activity um, doesn't constitute um, rest or not rest. Rest, what we're talking about today is a rest. It's a restfulness of your soul. It's, full, it's a restfulness of your spirit. Um. And, and I believe, so we're going to kind of, as we, when we talk about rest today and stillness, um, I'm not talking about sitting on the couch and doing nothing. I'm not talking about sitting alone with God as being restful. I'm talking about the state of restfulness in your heart and your soul that says, he, that, that, that is not moved by the cares of the world. Um, when we are lost in um, fear, and anxiety, and we can't wait to post this next exclamation of something we're going through. It, we are moved oftentimes by a restlessness. Um, very rarely are we posting or sharing um, or arguing even from a place of rest. Uh, and I would, I would be hard-pressed to believe otherwise in most of the things I see today. But imagine what would happen if we were moved by rest, by an authority to declare who God is around us. Uh, I, I want to provide you an illustration of rest. Um, when you, uh, in, when you're, I, I remember one time I was on a, a trip with the Navy to, uh, where was I? Puerto Rico. And in Puerto Rico, there is a, uh, uh, um, um, or there was, I don't think there was any more, but there was an E-2 squadron. E-2s are, they're big radar dishes on top of a, a Navy aircraft with two propellers. It's not an AWACS, that's an Air Force. Sorry, this is way too much information. But it's, a, it's an E-2C Hawkeye, and they land on carriers, so they're, they're smaller than a big airplane. But they have a rotating dome, and there's people in the front, and they use these aircraft um, when they're not deployed. They use them to, um, to search for um, drug runners. And so you're the, in, in Puerto Rico, in that area, there's, there's a lot of drug runners going from Colombia and different places. And so we, I remember being on this trip, and I would go up in the, in the air with these guys, uh, just learning what they do before I was really... Uh, um, flying my own helicopters and stuff. Um, and I, they, 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 would, they handed me these binoculars. And I remember thinking to myself, like, uh, um, oh, these are, they're like these massive binoculars, like literally this big, okay? It's just like these massive binoculars. Most of the time we, we look at binoculars and they're smaller and stuff. And, and you put them, and you, you know, you don't, you don't, binoculars don't need to be big to be magnified, right? Um, and so... Um, but the thing what happens is if you were to use binoculars on, on, a, on an aircraft, maybe not a 747, but a helicopter or anything like that, and you'd look out there, um, they'd be shaky and they'd move around because the aircraft is shaking around. Um, in, um, in, I, I, actually, a lot of boaters use these too. My father-in-law has a pair of these. But so they have these things called gyro-stabilized binoculars. Did you know those exist? You probably did. I don't know. I did not at that time. But they're massive. They're large because inside they have gyro, gyros that actually you have to turn them on and they stabilize the picture. Brilliant. I didn't know you could do this. So you could be doing this. That was way too much audio probably. <laughs> like that. And, and, and it, the, the picture that you're looking at is crystal clear, stable, okay? And so we would go around looking for drug runners and things like that. Um, if you don't know, a lot of drugs come into the, sta in the country by um, literally speedboats loaded with canisters of fuel, gallons and gallons and gallons of fuel. And these little, like, little, little uh, Boston whalers loaded with drugs 
and fuel. And that's all it is. And um, anyway, it's, that's more than you need to know. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> welcome to the finer points of, uh, of coastal defense. Um, <laughs> this will be interesting, if anything. Um, and so really... It, I love, as soon as I was thinking of an illustration for this, this is what our lives should be like. Our lives should be, should be Christ-stabilized people. Our, our in, uh, the world around us could be shaking and vibrating and literally be in anxiety. And we should be able to walk into these moments completely stabilized, crystal clear exactly what we know we're called to do and see in every situation. We should always be the ones that create peace and stability to everyone around us. We are called to be thermostats and not thermometers. And what I mean is we're called to be the ones that bring the peace, not called to walk into a room and determine whether there's peace or not, okay? Um, and so that's what, I think that's what Jesus did on that boat, is that he was the one that created peace in the midst of the storm, okay? So we're called to be gyro, gyroscope binoculars. Jesus, the model, he, he, he simply, what did he do though? If we look at Jesus, what did he do as the model? Is one of the things he consistently did that I think we forget oftentimes when we think about ministry is he got alone with Jesus or with, with his father. He got alone with his father. Turn with me to Mark 1, Mark 1, 35. See, Jesus consistently got alone with the Father. Whether he woke up early or he got away or he escaped, he got away and he got alone. We look at that right before the cross. He got alone from his disciples. They were, he said, pray for me, I'm going to get alone. And he prayed. Um, and and on, uh, Mark 1, the beginning of his ministry, it says this. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now you got to wonder, what did he do? What was he doing when he got alone? I, I, don't, I don't know that it mattered a whole lot what he did. Um, I, I, I'm thinking, about, I, what I, I, have, I have all sorts of questions when I read the Bible. One of the questions I have when I read this scripture is, what did you do, Jesus? When you got alone, and, and you got alone, you prayed to the Father, your Father, not the Father, his intimate Father, what did he say to him? What were the questions that he asked? What did he do? Did he start asking for things right off the bat? Did Jesus get alone at four in the morning and just say, Father, Father, okay, I've got this person I need to pray for and this person, this ministry I need to pray for. What did he do? And, and you're, I totally give you permission to think for yourself in this. Don't just take my word for it. Feel free to ask God these questions. Father, what, what, did, what did you and Jesus talk about? What did you, right there, right there, God, right there in verse, uh, verse 35, what were you guys talking about? I have a feeling God wants to tell you, and he's waiting for you to ask him. But I, I believe that he was talking to him about, um, honestly, I just, I believe he talked to him about his relationship with him. I believe that Jesus just probably asked a few times, Father, uh, how much do you love me? How much are you proud of me right now? I know you are, but I just like to hear it from you and words of affirmation along with every other love gift out there. But, uh, you know, and I, I, bet, the, I bet Jesus uh, engaged in just loving conversation with the Father. Um, I, I have a feeling also because Jesus was acquainted with all of our temptations and all of our sorrows, Jesus was tempted like any other man, which means he was tempted with anxiety. I want you to get this. Jesus was tempted to fear. He was tempted to have anxiety over situations. He was tempted to not have calmness and peace, just like you and I were. So what did he do when he came to the Father? I, have, I imagine that he said, Father, Father, would you just, can I just give you all these temptations? Can I give you my temptation to be afraid, my temptation? Now, I don't think Jesus had anxiety. I don't think he took it on. I think that the enemy tempted him, but I believe Jesus was free from anxiety, free of fear, free of sin. Um, but I believe that there was an opportunity for Jesus to take that stuff on, and he chose not to. And this is the model that he is showing us. And, and how did he do that? Well, I believe that he, he did that 
He did that through getting alone with the Father. And he, he got alone with the one that is not tempted. He got alone with the man peace, the God of peace that transcends understanding. I believe that he got alone and I believe that he actually said stuff like, and we're gonna get to this, Father, Father, would you take this from me? Would you take these temptations from me, these burdens that I have, would you take them from me? Because you're gonna find out in a minute that's what God is asking of us. So verse 36, then it goes on. It says, uh, I'll just say it again. Very early in the morning while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Then it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, <laughs> I love that they, they didn't know where he went. They just had to go looking for him. Jesus didn't wake them up and say, hey guys, I'm going to be over there. He just got up and left. Um, <laughs> think about that for a friendship. All right. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. They did not understand of what he was doing. I, I believe they were learning. They were watching him model something. He's the model, right? Everyone is looking for you. Then Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. <laughs> Literally, it's, I love that he says, and, 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 and there's often times when these crowds are, are all around him, and Jesus says, okay, let's go somewhere else now. And I believe Jesus was not afraid to get away and break away and get alone with the Father. See, I believe that when you get alone with the Father and you start to, you start to find out um, what's going on in your soul, um, you, you start to learn stuff about yourself. Have you ever... Um, have you ever... Uh, do I want to say that now? Sorry. You know, and, and, and I want to talk about so Jesus, how he handles the pressure of what he was of working with right then. See, Jesus uh, was keenly and beautifully aware of what was going on in his soul. Okay? And, and, I, and it was something powerful uh, that, that Jesus shows us when, when he's crowded around, when there's people on all sides, he retreats and literally, you know, really disappears out of the crowd. And I, I wonder, you know, what happens to us when we get overwhelmed? Um, you know, it, when everyone's looking for him, he goes somewhere else. You know, I, I, I thought our version of this scripture could sound more something like this. I kind of tongue-in-cheek, you know, coined this, uh, this little scripture, First uh, Jesse chapter 2. Uh, it says, uh, I just imagine the scripture said, Timmy was being overwhelmed with information and pressure to, be, to act and be in different ways. And at some arbitrary point in the day, Timmy asked his friends, what do you think? And then went on social media or scrolled through the internet to find out how his soul was going to be doing that day. See, I think oftentimes we're being, we're being more affected by the things around us than we are being affected by our time with the Father. And I believe Jesus was more affected by his quiet time than he was by the busy time. And so this is where I'm calling us today is, is that we would come to him and get rest. We would come to the Father and get rest. See, uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. I'm just going to read it here. This is the New Living uh, Translation. It says, Jesus said, he says to his disciples, says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Who do you think that is today? <laughs> who is out there today that is heavy and weary laden, and, and, and carries a heavy burden. And he says to those people, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. For you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I'm going to read this again in the message translation. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy 
or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that. I love that. That learn the unforced rhythms of grace. If that doesn't convict a few of us, uh, we're um, we're not aware of what's happening inside of our hearts. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I think there's also an invitation here to walk with him throughout your day as well as get alone with him. And I think there's value in, well, I got Jesus with me all the time. I don't have to get alone with him. I'm with him right now. And I love that and I get that. That's a beautiful, consistent relationship you have with him. But that's not all Jesus did. It doesn't say that Jesus got with God as he walked with his disciples. It says he got alone with them. I love it. And Peter, Peter echoes Jesus' sentiments on this later on. 1 Peter 5, he says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And then he says, Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. I believe it's okay to recognize the burdens that you have. Don't ever be condemned because of the burdens you have for the people around you. I think we're called to, we're called to cast it. See, it's not just, and it's not just about anxiety and worry. Worry is over, it's just a, um, it's only one of a hundred things that burden our souls. See, there's oftentimes there's good things that burden our souls. There's some of you guys out there that have this beautiful gift of mercy. And all you can think about is the poor, the poverty, the, the un, the, the, those that lack justice, the um, minorities right now. I, you know, there's plenty of injustice happening and your heart goes out to those people. Some of you guys, some of you guys are going after world powers and authorities and you're calling down for governors and mayors and all this stuff. And so I I get that everybody's really different. And so don't hear my heart that it's just about fear and anxiety. And you're like, well, I'm not afraid or anxious. I'm on the war path. Like, (laughs) ah, you scare me. You're, (laughs) you don't even recognize what anxiety is anymore. You're so like gauged up right now. But listen, we can actually be burdened in a negative way with all the good stuff that God's put on your heart. Um, There's a few people that are weighted down and that are literally just, they sit in their car and cry or they get emotional um, because what they see, the infighting in the church and, and their heart is filled with sorrow. And that sorrow can be debilitating for some people. So don't hear me that it's just about fear and anxiety. It can also just be about deep sorrow. Because sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Jesus didn't walk around um, a sorrowful Jesus. I believe he wept and he cried and he laughed and, you know, all, and all the emotions, he was acquainted with them. But he didn't walk in a state of depression. And so even, even stuff like sorrow can actually... Um, really take us out of our authority of peace. Um, And so our our hearts can be, uh, (laughs) anytime, I love this one, I wrote this down, when we are unable to control the um, situations that we're in, we can fall into anxiety, depression, sorrow. So a lot of it has more to do with our inability to control what's happening around us that puts us in these places where we lack authority in our realm. And um, you might say, well, I don't know what my authority, I don't know what I can do. I'm just a little person and we have this sweeping government, you know, things and my company can't, my, my business can't open up, my friend's business can't open up. What can I do? And our authority is in our voice. Our authority is in how we communicate and declare God, what God is saying, right? If he's saying peace, we declare peace. If he's saying, Lazarus, come forth, then we say, come forth, businesses. If he's, if he's, calling, a, if he's calling an end to something, we say, in Jesus' name, let that sickness die and be healed in Jesus' name. You, but that's our authority. We don't always have the authority in government right now. Although I believe that it gives us voices. There even, I just saw this morning that there's a phone number you can call to actually speak your voice about injustices right now. Um, the Attorney General has set it up. But I just want to talk about it, you know, this idea of 
of going into the quiet place with the Lord. What do we do when we get there? And so um, my biggest heart for the church is not that they, they know truth, but that they believe truth. And believing comes with a, uh, I, I can do it. I, I'm activated in it. Wisdom comes from not just knowing it, but doing it. And those two put in, it comes into the, actually the beautifulness of wisdom. And so we're going to talk about what do you do now? So I want to get us in a little bit of an activation here. I want and, and to do this, so I just want to I want to tell a story of uh, of a time um, that I used what we're going to talk about. But I want to talk about getting alone with God and letting go of the things that's inside of you. Um, so there's a couple steps to this activation. And once you do it, you can do it any way you want. It's kind of like how I teach people how to prophesy. I give them a few steps and then really just go and be with the Lord and and, and work the way you work it. Um, but the first step is coming to him, getting alone with him. And so I want so the first thing that you need to do in order to get rid of all this stuff, well, first thing is recognize you need to come alone with him. And if you don't recognize you need alone time with the Father, then, then I want to encourage you to wake up and know that you need alone time with him. This is the humility part. This is the humbleness of being a son of God, being, being the son of your father, recognizing that you, your time with him alone, away from all the other people, is so important. And some of you it's easy, and some of you it's not easy. And I get it. So step one, recognize you need to be alone with him. I remember one time I was, uh, I was up at a conference in Reading, and I was, uh, I was getting, I was, uh, it was the last day and I had to jump on an airplane and, and so um, I was in the airport and getting ready to go and, and different, just on the way to the airport and, and once I was there and getting onto the plane, I recognized something that I kept on pulling out my phone. At any moment I wasn't doing something, I had that phone out. I know nobody else can, can relate with me, but this was just a real special moment for me. <laughs> so, you know, I'd, I'd be waiting in line for the ticketing booth, and I'd pull it out, right? And I'm like, pff, pff, pff. I'd be scrolling through something, and then I'm there. Okay, cool. Hey, hey, what? And then I'd be done. I'd have to go wait for, my, my, uh, for the security line, pull that thing back out again. Any emails? And was, oh, I could reply to that person. Oh, was like, oh, that's so interesting. Look at that. Yesenia, you know, whatever. You know, and I'd pull it out there, and, and then... Um, and then I'd get on the airplane and more waiting and I'd, you know, wait for it to take off and I'd pull it out and maybe I had a game on, you know, I'd play some Sudoku or something, I don't know. And so, uh, by the way, I only do Sudoku on airplanes, I don't know why, but, and, and, and so I'd be on there and then I'd, then we'd take off and I'd, I'd pull out my phone and I'd put on a movie or a show or something. And it was at this point that I realized something's wrong something's wrong and I you know if you haven't recognized that you have little tells right that something is wrong and um, I don't know what yours is but that day it was pulling my phone out as if it had some special power to set my heart free and what I realized in that moment is that something was wrong and I didn't know what and I didn't know how to even solve it right then I just knew this is dysfunctional this is not what someone that is at peace does. And I'm not saying any of these things by themselves, looking at your friend's post, posting yourself, going and watching a movie on the plane, playing games. None of that on its own is bad or wrong. But recognizing when your soul is unrested. Recognizing when you have something that's, that's eating you. That's, that's literally just causing this unrest. It, it'd be like when you're looking through those binoculars and they're just shaking because they're not settled. They're not, they're not gyro-stabilized. Uh, uh, and so I recognized something's wrong. And so the first thing I did was I'm like, all right, God, I humbled myself because it's hard. It, it can be hard to stop this uh, um, instant gratification, the, the hits of dopamine, right? Every time we, and why we need a, hip, a hit of dopamine? Because it helps us forget that we're not at rest. And so I just, I did a really strong, beautiful thing. I put my phone down and I just, um, I actually opened up my laptop. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> I didn't trade one vice for another. I opened up my laptop because my journal, my journal, all right? Don't judge me. My journal is in my laptop. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I looked at Facebook. No. Um, and I started looking at it, and I started opening up my journal, and I just have a, a blank sheet there. And I just settled myself, and I said, oh, I am not settled right now. And it was like I got up early in the morning, and I got away with, with Jesus, with the Father, with silence. And so I was, I, 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 the first question I like to write in my journal when I'm feeling this way is I, I write, am I okay? Am I okay? And I know it's a silly question because of course you're okay. You're like you're sitting on an airplane, you're wearing, you're, like, you're eating, and of course you're okay. But my soul was not okay and I knew it. And so I asked God, am I okay? And, his re- and my, really, because I'm, I'm asking, why am I going to my phone? Why am I doing this? Why am I fidgeting? Why am I hand shaking? Why do I keep trying to talk so much? Why do I, why am I, all I can think of is calling someone right now, right? Have you ever had that where you have all sorts of anxiety and you just want to call someone instead of put the phone down and talk to the Father? And so I, I God, am I okay? And the first thing out of his mouth is, he says, he says, yes, you're wonderful, Jesse, you're just fine because he knows who I am. But in that moment, I'm asking him, what's going on in my spirit? It's like David saying, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you not in rest, oh my soul? And so I want to encourage you. I don't know if that's what Jesus did when he got alone with the Father, but that's what I want to encourage you to do is get alone with the Father and say, God, How's my soul doing? Is it at rest or is it not at rest? I'm not asking you, do you have connection with him? Are you in union with him? Because we know that's true. But you recognize that you're not at rest in him. And you only have authority when you're at rest. Or maybe we say this, you have the most amount of authority when you're at rest. Because I believe there's grace for in our, in, our, in our world, when we don't have rest, he still moves. But I really believe this, that we have authority, the most authority when we have rest. And so it was in that moment that I asked God, why do I have so much unrest? And I'll just let you in. It wasn't incredibly personal. But he says, Jesse, um, you're holding on to too many expectations and responsibilities. You're holding on. And so I had all these expectations about what was supposed to happen that weekend, what was going to happen next weekend, all these responsibilities. And I, and I, and, and I, and I realized like he was just so right. He just, I just knew he was right. Listen, even if you don't think he's right, take him at his word. Okay, he's God. And so just, just humble yourself. And if he says you have too many responsibilities going through your head right now, just say, God, I believe you. Would you show me what they are? And you just start letting him speak to you. This is about a relationship. This isn't about going back out there and doing more ministry so that you can get rid of this anxiety or this fear or the burden. I remember what he says. Peter says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And it might be just your, your good burdens, right? And so we're going to talk about what it looks like. Um, and so literally what I began to do is to say, God, I just want to give you all this stuff. I want to, and so we're going to talk about what to do. Um, when you recognize, when you come into this quiet place with him. Now here's the activation. Um, John Eldridge, uh, I got something really great from him. I don't know if he wrote Wild at Heart, powerful book. Whether you totally agree with everything about that, that book like grabbed a hold of a generation of men that have a heart for adventure and just the rawness of being a man. And I'm not going to talk to you about being a man today. Uh, but he, he wrote another book. Actually, I, I don't know what the book is called. Um, but the, he, he has an app that is written off the book. I think it's, just, it's probably for Apple and Android. And I got this app a few months ago, and I've been using it. I just want to share the practice of it with you. If you get the app, that's beautiful. I kind of liked it because it helped give function to it. But the app is called Pause. And in the app, he talks about this thing called Benevolent detachment okay when we think of detachment i think about compartmentalizing detaching from issues and stuff and you know detachment is something we do when we don't have god right detachment is like i can't handle all this pressure i'm just going to delete my apps i'm going to delete facebook delete instagram i'm going to detach from all the things that are causing me anxiety that actually isn't healing your soul it's helping and so if you need to do that, hallelujah. I did it last week, and it was beautiful. But, but listen, detachment doesn't it, does, itself does not bring peace. 
And so benevolent detachment is actually benevolent, meaning good, meaning the good things. It means that we're, it means kindness. So the idea is that you're being kind to yourself and detaching or distancing yourself from the places that you cannot control. See, our need to control, our need to be in charge of things around us um, is what b- most of the time brings us this unrest. If you're a mom or a dad, you know what this is about. You cannot control kids, so they just drive you bonkers, right? It, it, and it, it's any time we feel out of control. And I don't know that I can think of a time, at least in the past few years, that we as a people group have felt more out of control. And um, if you just stop and think of a couple things that you can't control right now. Um, you can't control the, the news channels that are on your phone right now. You can't control what they put on TV. You can't control the, um, the, the anxiety of the shop owners. You can't control the, your church. You're not able to come to church in the morning. You can't control the teenagers that are in your life. All this stuff. And so this idea that we're, we're holding on to control. So the idea of benevolent detachment is the idea that we're giving up control of things, of circumstances, of people, of responsibilities, and of expectations, and anything else you want to put in there. And so we're going to do, I'm going to practice with you right now. You're in your house. If you're still listening, I want you to do this with me. Um, and, and we're not going to, normally the, the app does this really well because he leads you through this place. It's got a one minute, a three minute, a five minute, and a ten minute exercise. We'll probably do the one minute version right now. And so I, I wanna, I'm going to lead you through just a very simple form of what he calls benevolent detachment. You call it time with the Lord. I don't care. Um, but it's really important that, um, that, that you start somewhere in this, as you get alone with them. So I, right now, I want to do this, and then we're going to be done. Um, uh, and so I want you to close your eyes right now. Close your eyes right now. And I want you to just, I want you to first things first, take, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and let it out. Take another one. And I want you to be aware of how your soul is doing. How's your heart doing? How is your inner man doing? You know, you might say, oh, I'm full of joy. But I can, I can tell when I have a lot of joy and yet there's still an unrest happening. So just close your eyes with those three breaths now. And I want you to say this right now. Just just picture that you're sitting next to the Father. And if you have kids running around, you might have to do this later. But if, if you're sitting, just picture yourself. The Father's right next to you. You're doing the things that Jesus is doing. You're getting away with the Father alone. And you're casting your burdens on Him. And so right now, I, just just repeat after me. I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and anything and everything to you. It's simple. Just say, I give it to you, God. I give everyone and I give everything to you. All expectations that I've put on myself. All expectations that I feel like you've put on me, God. And the people around me. I give everything to you and everyone to you. Maybe you're caring for people. Maybe you're a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister and you're caring for your parent. I give everyone to you and let go of your burden. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. See, God promises he will not lay a heavy burden on you. It is not a spiritual thing to carry a burden. I give everything and everyone to you, God. And just literally watch it. Watch these little things or big things fall off and be put into his hand. He is a safe place. You got to wonder what Jesus was thinking about while he was dreaming in that boat. 
Do you think he started his nap with, God, I give everything and everyone to you. Let's take a nap now in the midst of a storm. I give everything and everyone to you. And just say, I give up control of all the places that I've needed or wanted to have control. I, I give up control in every place that I've wanted or needed to have control. That I've needed to have a voice. That I've needed to influence and impact my area, God. I give up my needs to do all that. I give up everyone and everyone to you, everything. And from here, you could go anywhere. Whoa! You just let him speak to you now. Father, would you give me peace? And just say, God, I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your light burden, your yoke, your easy yoke. I thank you for your joy. I thank you, Lord, that I am receiving right now your confidence over every situation, God. I thank you, Lord, that you're giving me your authority to command storms. You're giving me the peace that surpasses understanding. Lord, I receive your goodness. I receive your solutions to every problem. I receive your presence, God. I receive your life. I receive all of that, God. And, and honestly, you guys, you can hang out here for hours or minutes or seconds, but being able to go here at any time you want is how you maintain peace in this world. And I want to say this too as we close. Your ability to walk in this peace and this rest is a gift to the people around you. Far too often we are putting our stuff, our anxieties, our pressures on other people. We're saddling other people with our expectations, our hopes, and our needs. We often do it subconsciously, but we do it nevertheless with our need to be seen, our needs to be celebrated because we're not feeling celebrated, our need to be understood. I promise you, like, our, our neediness for the people around us, to, our needs to post something, let everybody know what we're thinking. This is our anxiety coming out saying, someone please validate me. Someone please listen to my words coming out of someone. This is, this is our need to get ourselves out there in, in some form or another. Maybe you do it to call somebody. And, and so honestly, when we learn to stop, get alone with the Lord and say, God, am I okay? I give you everyone and everything to you. I give it all to you right now. I release this burden to you. It's in that place that you will finally feel okay. He knows you're okay. Do you? And so I encourage you um, that you would recognize when your soul's not okay. And I have a feeling that we're not okay, we don't feel okay more often than not. But man, can you imagine? Can you imagine the church walking around as people of peace and, and, and rest with the solutions to everybody else's unrest. And I just, to me, that just, that's mind-blowing to me. And so I want to encourage you guys, um, go after this. Go after this with, with, with intentionality, with the intentionality that you would a friendship with all of that. So I'm going to pray for us, and then I'll, uh, I'll release this. God, Lord, I just I thank you, God, that you are an ever present person in time of our need, God. I thank you, Lord, that we can cast all this and the promises that you'll take it, God. Lord, I just pray, I pray for an awareness of our souls, God, that we would be aware 
when we're not at rest. And Lord, if we're not aware, I pray that you would tell us. Would you speak to us, God? Would you, would you wake us up, God, <laughs> from the places that we are um, allowing to go unchecked in our hearts and our minds? And I also pray, God, that before we ever unload on other people, we would, we would stop and get alone with you. Pray for this reality to be in the hearts and minds of every believer that, that's watching this and that's out there, God. The simplicity of getting alone with you, God. You made it third grade level. You've made this third grade level, God. It's not complicated. And so, God, I, I just pray right now. I pray for the testimonies going to come out of this. I pray for the places of beautiful power and strength that are going to come out of this, Lord. I pray that there would be people launched into ministry from a place of renewed rest, that there's people out there, God, I believe this, that you're going to find renewed energy and renewed strength. You're going to find the energy you thought you would have to get back through, through, <laughs> through cleansing or fasting, <laughs> whatever kind of coffee drink you had to get. But I, I just feel like the Lord says that when you grab a hold of rest, your energy levels themselves, right, your physiologically are going to change when you walk in rest. And so I encourage you, if you're someone that needs a lot of coffee, it's probably because you need rest, not because you have too much rest. <laughs> Although I am a, form, I'm a fan of coffee. So Father, we love you. We give all of this to you, God. That we just, we declare, God, we declare that, that living in rest will, will do more for our breakthrough than doing more action, God. I thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. God, well, we love you and we thankful this um, offering. If you... Oh, man, I, I just encourage you guys, give automatically monthly or something. I don't know. That's how I do it. But we'll put the offering slide up there. Honestly, you guys have been incredibly generous. Um, I honestly believe that um, we're going to be opening up. I just prophesy right now the economy is opening. The economy is opening all across the nation. The economy will open. It will open and there will be businesses that are going to be better off after this. Um, I, was, I was praying today. I just want to prophesy, if you're a business owner, um, I want to prophesy this, that God, that you're going to make more money after this than you did before this. Because God is going to show you ways that you were vulnerable to the, um, to the limitations of the economy and the way you were doing business. I pray that, I believe the Lord is going to show you more ways to make income that are not so reliant on the ways that we were reliant before. So I pray right now for businesses. I pray for, um, for unemployment to come through. I know unemployment is not our salvation, but I'm thankful for unemployment. Um, I, I've been on unemployment before, and it was really nice. It was very helpful. And so I bless unemployment checks to, to be swift and to get to you. Um, I also bless you guys' uh, um, your giving, that there would be a, that you would find ways to give to people in need. And we're doing that now. We're having some fun testimonies come back of people that are getting blessed by your guys' benevolent giving um, into the church. People are just blown away. It's, it's a lot of fun. So anything else? So an 11-year-old boy got healed. Jeremiah, do we know of what? Come on, neck pain. That's awesome. God's healing people through YouTube. Come on, Jesus. Oh, come on, you guys. Um, oh. The church is not closed. The church, just repeat after me, my church is not closed. It's alive and well and beating, and it's in you, okay? The church is open, and it's inside of you, okay? Um, you are a prayer meeting everywhere you go. You are a, a ministry service. Every business you walk into that's still open, um, every person you meet, uh, and so I, we might just start going after this. I want to see more testimonies with the church meeting out of the building than in the building. So anyway. Um, the, uh, Come on, there's a releasing of finances. Worry and finances breaking it off. I'll release this testimony. Um, 
uh, is a great man of God, Byron Elder. He told me I could share this, but he, he, was, uh, he actually sewed into a, a, a tennis um, player. Actually, he was playing tennis, and he sewed into them. And right after he gave money to this guy, he felt the, the, the fear of finances break off. And so I want to encourage you guys, whether it's a little bit or a lot, a dollar, it doesn't matter. So money. Let that fear of mammon, that the God of money fall off you. It just sucks. Anyway, bless you guys. Um, we'll see you guys next week. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sh- do an announcement this week about kind of the future of what's happening, what's coming up. I know a lot of churches are, uh, are looking to open up, and um, we have a plan. We've been meeting with our team, and uh, we'll announce that this week. Um, honestly, I just could encourage you guys, pray for the body of Christ, that they hear from God. That's, um, that's why every pastor I'm with, every group of pastors um, I'm with, whether it's in South County or North County or nationwide, um, that's my prayer for all of us, that we hear from the Lord, and we don't go trying to prove stuff because whatever. So anyway, I just want to encourage you guys, pray for the church, pray, pray for the body of Christ, pray for businesses. So that's it. Love you guys. Um, I think we're going to leave it on. If you want to keep chatting, sharing testimonies, praying for people, um, I encourage it. We're going to, um, we're going to mute me and the rest of it and go to some music too. So love you guys. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.